RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Spring Forward Val and Beans. Why do they have to keep screwing with us with this time change? I am a mess. Oh, well, I'm, well, yes, the, the, the first week of Spring Forward blows. Like, what the hell? I'm like, okay, it's really actually 5.30. It's really actually 4.30, like that hour. It takes a couple of days for me with Spring Forward. Fall back I'm, is fine. I'm fine with everything. But I, I thought, I thought that this already went through Congress. I thought that this was our last Spring Forward. And then people said, no, 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 it's not official yet. I thought that it passed. They can't even pass a spring forward bill, let alone do anything else with themselves. But today, given the tumultuous state we find ourselves in, in the financial area, we've brought on a quasi-expert. <laughs> His name is Carter, Adam Carter. Um, Adam, would you give everybody a little background on where you're coming from, just so they know like where to rank your uh, cr- cr- your you know commentary for themselves? So I am a um, accountant by trade. Uh, I am a CPA. Um, I worked for one of the major investment banks for probably two or three years. Um, oh, so it's one, your fault. Yeah, all my fault. Uh, so I was one of the guys sitting there booking journal entries. So I wasn't on the um, the actual side of the business where they were actually trading money and doing deals and you know managing bank accounts i was just one of the guys booking debits and credits in the uh on the back end so um if you compare it to let's say a manufacturer um you know the, the traders out on the floor those are the factory workers and i was in the back office you know just doing the accounting for what was going on but you have to know something about something to be able to yes. do that correct <laughs> Correct. Like I couldn't you, waltz in there and be like, I'm going to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, part of that is I was, you know, it was my job to comply with all the regulations that were being passed, Sarbanes-Oxley, Dodd Frank, that type of stuff. Okay, so you were compliance and mm-hmm. okay, all right. So as in case anybody didn't know, on Friday, SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, was taken over by the FDIC, correct? Or the Fed? Who took it over? The FDIC? I think it was the FDIC. I don't know if anybody's taking it over because they were talking about doing an auction. Well, they're trying to or were trying to, but it was taken. It was the guy who ran it was basically let go. Everyone was let go. They stepped in and took over. And now we are basically in a place where the Fed is guaranteeing that they're going to back the depositors. And the whole reason that this happened was... The bank was having issues. Oops. The bank was having issues and with 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 cash flow basically. And then there was a bank run and everybody pulled their money out of the bank at the same time. And I already I always said if anybody look what happened in in Canada during the Freedom Convoy, right? What happened? Everybody started pulling their money out of Canadian banks because the Canadian government was seizing people's money that donated to the Freedom Convoy. And I said, the last sort of power fist bump or chest bump we have is is a bank run, which nobody wants. So can you 
tell us what happened, Adam, and like break it down where we're at and where we're going. Well, I haven't specifically read up with what what is going on with you know Silicon Valley Bank, and I know there's another bank, I believe in New York now, Signature that, Bank or First Republic yeah. Bank. Right. Um, I don't know. Is my video messing up for you? Yeah, it is. It's like yeah. a glitchy craziness. Yeah, if I just stop and restart it, I should fix it. Um, so one thing I will say is um, a lot of people, I'm going to actually have to not really disagree with you, but um, retail bank is not as much a biggest business as for these investment banks as the general public would think. A lot of these investment banks don't even bother with the retail side. The one I worked for had barely any retail presence at all. So you have retail banking, which is you going into the local, you know, branch, you know, depositing, you know, making withdrawals, blah, blah, blah. And then you have investment banks. And these investment banks are just massive. You know, they're doing just these huge deals, you know, tens of millions, hundreds, billion dollar deals. And they're all so interconnected with one another. You t you hear them talking about, you know, the the regulators and the, they need to come out and say something, but you keep talking about they don't want to spook the markets. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not talking about they don't want to spook the general public. They're not worried about people, you know, going to Silicon Valley. I don't even know if Silicon Valley Bank has branches. But they do. They do. Yeah. So what they're really worried about is institutional investors pulling the money out, you know, all those hedge funds and those, uh, um, uh, the, uh, what do you call it when you know you have teachers they all have teachers unions union no uh pension pensions funds, you know those type of you know th they're worried about those type of actors pulling their money out of the system that that's what they're trying to keep from happening more so I, i'm sure the retail run would have an impact but not as significant as the investment portion so what i read is that all of these all of the people who had and and a lot of the people who had their money at this bank they weren't like joe schmo me and you they were tech startup companies with multi-million dollars in venture funds and all kinds of stuff in this one bank and all of them when they got wind that something was going down with liquidity started transferring their funds all over the place to hit the 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 insurable limit which is two hundred fifty thousand dollars so they basically were spreading their cash among all the different banks that they could find at two hundred fifty thousand dollar caps instead of keeping it all there and then that's what caused the ultimate demise of the bank is that and there were people lined up outside the, these banks trying to get their money out like a like literally like a 1929 bank run right frank right. did you follow this over the weekend at all yeah what what can you add to this um you're all over the internet so what did you find well for for now it, it, from now, like I said, until I until I get my until I get some more answers uh, tonight, because I wanted to. Uh, it, it's funny because the way that these things usually work out, I had my my good friend Robin on on the schedule for weeks now, and tonight we were going to talk about the role of the responsible banker, because I because of things like this, banking institutions have nothing but evil reputations, but banking is very very necessary for a stable society especially for a society as advanced as uh, and intricately interwoven as ours but you know what how do you separate 
good practices of banking from predatory nonsense the the fractional reserve lending and all all the the the, the currency manipulation and all that and uh, and really what it comes down to for me in, in just a very rudimentary kind of observance is that whether it's FTX or whether it's this or anything else um it it just shows me how fragile eggshell thin every all the 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 idea of of stability really is that if somebody gets spooked one person gets spooked one banking house gets spooked it, it, it can cause everybody to start running for their money and when they start doing that you realize how little reserves we actually have that if everybody if everybody's confidence in the imaginary system is um is is shaken in any way shape or form and they go to grab all of their assets out they realize how we how you know how not physical we are well and- that, that's what i was gonna say they banks don't even have what is it do you know adam what percentage do they keep actually in cash on hand because well, they don't have that, the money it doesn't exist right. <laughs> that was the big push that was going on at the time i left is you know it's called liquidity um and at one point banks were just having to report you know what their balance sheet liquidity on certain dates and it was always the last day of the month and uh the fed basically got to the point where they're just like look we don't want to know that your balance sheet you know your balance sheet is physically how many how what are the assets you own on one side what is what you owe on the other side your liabilities and then the difference is your equity i always kind of compare it to a house your house is your asset your mortgage is your liability whatever the difference between those two is your equity um so they were wanting daily average liquidity reports the fed that was what they were trying to push everyone to they wanted every single day for you to report how much you had on your balance sheet and if you were liquid enough i don't know what the percentage is i I couldn't i don't even think that the amount of cash exists in physical form it doesn't it's all zeros and ones. It's electronic. It doesn't physically exist. You put your money in the bank and they double it, if I'm not mistaken, in I digital. I think it's going tenfold. It's, it's referred to as the euro dollar. And it's basically, it, it's called the euro dollar. It doesn't really have anything to do with the euro, but it's basically the amount of money that is out of the U.S. government's control that's just being produced outside of the borders of the United States and by these investment banks, just using all these financial tools that they have, you know, they get $1 and somehow they're able to, you know, slap a 10 multiplier on it and lend out 10 times as much. And Which, it, it, yes. Know. So now we've got this whole issue. That's why interest rates, the Fed has been stepping in to mess with the interest rates to keep that inflation down. Because when COVID hit, they basically... The Fed, if I'm not mistaken, the 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 Fed stepped in and, and created this pool of money for banks to be able to loan out these loans because it didn't exist, right? So they did that. Adam, you need to correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a scholar here. They did that. Inflation went through the absolute roof because they created billions of dollars that didn't exist before. And then... They had a back, they have to, somebody has to get that money back, right? So 
was that what caused these kind of boutique-ish banks, for lack of a better word, to start investing in crypto and all this other stuff to, to realize that money back? Or is that not correct? I'll be honest, I, I'm not gonna be able to speak intelligently to that. Uh, I mean, I know the the, the broad scheme, like, um, I, I forget his name, who who is the um, chairman of the subcommittee on the weaponization of government? He was on Maria. Jim Jordan? No, but he's below that. Um, Massey? No, he's a, he's a guy who only came on the scene recently. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. That's okay. Come on. But he was on Maria over the weekend and, and he was talking about that you know this this basically goes to the bond market where um as the fed is raising interest rates the return on the bonds that everybody had already gone into is is diminishing and that's what caused the crash so that's what he said i i don't i don't know if i can confirm or refute what he said but that's what he's saying um as far as the fed raising interest rates um Again, if I had some time to do some research, I could have written these names down. But uh, really, there's there's debate on how much uh, control the Fed actually has over interest rates. Uh, you know, I, I've seen some very convincing arguments that say that them playing with the interest rates up and down really doesn't have the impact on inflation they think it does and they're just raising these interest rates it's having no impact on inflation and all they're going to do is wind up crashing the housing market for no reason so or or for a reason which is the other part of this like where you know they've regional banks like i was reading a thing this morning frank chime in at any time i'm not trying to monopolize the conversation here no no i'm i'm, I'm just listening um I'm, okay region yeah. regional banks are like the backbone of small business in the country. Small little banks, like like Signature Bank, like uh, First Republic Bank, like the little tiny ones that not credit unions per se, but banks. And if those go down, it takes out all of Main Street. It's not going to take out the Wall Street, you know, the the top earners, the one percent. It's going to take out your small businesses in the middle of the country, and you know whatever. Um, anything I was reading, like anything less than a million dollars in payroll is kind of like, quote, safe. But anything above a million dollars in payroll a month is not. And they're having issues. So there's this crazy flurry of people who over even regular everyday Joes who ran out to take out all their money from the bank, which is going to compound the problem faster is well, bank? I actually, go ahead. Yeah, I actually wanted to go off on a little bit of a rant about this. And um, so we had the financial collapse that was back in to, um, the early 2000s uh, with Enron and, you know, WorldCom. And that gave us Sarbanes-Oxley. Like, oh, we're going to pass all these great regulations. And Well, uh, explain what Sarbanes-Oxley is. Uh, it was basically put in financial controls over accounting uh when it was passed they actually called it the the accountant full employment act you know in the accounting world so uh you have all these regulations where you basically have to have controls in place where you you know that if it's basically to catch fraud going through your accounting process you know if somebody was doing something like at worldcom like at 
Enron, you you know, the the CFO and the CEO would have controls in place where there's basically, you know, if this person is conspiring with this person, there's a, another control where there's a third person who will catch it. Does that work? So, no. <laughs> um, because, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Oh, there goes later, that video again. And there I go, yeah, I told you my computer sucks. Um, uh, interesting side note, uh, all these... Um, the January 6th political prisoners are being charged with uh, interfering with uh, a government, whatever, um, proceeding. That's a Sarbanes-Oxley-related uh, statute. So these people are literally being charged with accounting violations. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't know that. That's that's new. Yeah, I heard when I heard Julie Kelly say that, I was just like, wow. That's um, crazy. So then eight years later, whoops, we got we have another financial collapse. Sarbanes-Oxley didn't catch it. You know, now we have to have Dodd-Frank. So if Sarbanes-Oxley was that thick, Dodd-Frank is like that thick, you know, as far as regulations. And again, it doesn't really do anything. You know, it didn't it's not going to stop this collapse. But what it does do is you have to hire an army of back end people like me you know, schmucks who don't really know what they're doing just to comply with all these regulations that just keep getting layered on and on and on and on. And your local credit union can't comply with that. You know, they can't hire 50 of me to, you know, just to, you know, check off all these boxes for all these regulations that don't really do anything. And just like we've seen in the healthcare sector, where now every single doctor has to works for one of these giant medical corporations, all these credit unions are going out of business. You know, now Silicon Valley Bank's going out of business. It'll get snatched up by one of the bigger, and it's just consolidation, consolidation. You know, and we're is, just going to wind up. With... Is the whole goal for the central digital, digital centralized digital currency? Is that what they're? Is that why they're? The, my point of view is that's where they wanted to go, but now because of the war in Ukraine, that's off the table. Because you know the the goal with that whole war was you know we're going to crush russia we're going to let the whole world know that if you get if you step out of line we're going to crush you with all our little you know numbers on computer screens and ones and zeros and it didn't work and basically the entire what's called the global south which is you know india africa you know south america none of them have gone along and they've also seen hey if we all get into this you know centralized digital currency if we step out of line, they're going to come after us and try to crush our economy. So we're, we're not going into, you know, putting our eggs in that basket. So um, that was the goal. I think they've now screwed themselves on that goal that, that no one's going to go along. Two thirds of the globe right now is not going along with the Ukra Ukraine and Russia stuff. So. So what now? Like, are what's happening as markets open? Does anybody know, Frank? Is anything going on online right now? Like, as markets are about to open in the states, I know Asian markets were last night, but as markets are opening, do you see anything? No, uh, no. I, I was, I was, I was waking up this morning. I just started started seeing people talking about uh, how Credit Suisse is in free fall and. There are certain things where trading's being halted here and there, but I don't. I, like I said, I don't. This is not me. This is not something where I can read an article on any of this, and and I have to go contact friends and say, hey, uh, please uh, translate this for me. 
So really, it's all it's only just what what basic understanding I have of the situation we're in. Uh, it's I know it's it's just precarious, and um, so I think about I think about the the state of the currency. I think about the whole idea of uh, they say, well, we're not going to bail anybody out, but it technically is a bailout. I mean, so you're you're either letting a domino effect of bank collapses begin and don't do anything, or you jump in and you just further inflation along, and you know. It, it, we really are the only thing that's that's holding that's uh the main thing that's stopping us from even being in this digital currency area right now is just the fact that we still are able to use cash freely that we have a little we have a little option to be to be transacting outside of any kind of the roving eyes of some kind of a, a system because every conversation we've had so far this morning has, has been about has been about the you know one banking institution's response to one problem or another and uh and it's it's all just a click of the button there's just even when yeah even when people were pulling their money out it was a click of a button it wasn't even real money they were pulling out it was digital you create you create numbers and decimals on screen and that is as good as gold these days i mean it's already completely digitized currency the problem is that we're so late in the game and it's it's so waterlogged and 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 it's i i as you can see very very uh, fragile situation the illusion of stability that the controllers would love to have a slate cleaned and a new game begin so I, that's what all i'm i'm thinking about what are they going to be able to do with starting a new game where they are in control of it again i mean all this stuff is not we're not in thirty-three trillion dollars worth of debt and hundreds of trillions of more, and in promised, promised uh, spending and and all that other stuff because of because of just just the way the world goes. No, that that is we're getting a, we're on a morphine drip for decades and decades. So I I, I kind of expect this stuff to happen. I just wish I knew how to explain it to myself better. Yeah, there's two things that no, I mean I'm I'm just learning as I'm going. There's two things that nobody's talking about that I wish they were. Number one, all of these banks that are having these issues are huge in the crypto markets. Huge. They've been having, you know, their toes like to billions of dollars in crypto. They're they're known for crypto lending, if I'm not mistaken. Number two, a comment on Citizen Free Press says right here. This is nothing, folks. Wait until the precious metals market scam unfolds. For those who don't know, there are two ways to own precious metals. Either you physically own it and store it yourself or you buy an ounce of silver from an institution and you get it on paper. They're supposed to store it for you. As of today, these institutions have sold 100 ounces of paper silver for every one physical ounce they actually possess. Last year, gold, platinum, and palladium hit their all-time highs, but silver barely got past its all-time high halfway point. Talk about market manipulation. That loss will be greater than the 2008 housing derivative scam and no one's saying a thing about it. That I know has been something that people are concerned about for a while. Um, I just don't know how many people were silly enough to buy paper silver. Completely a piece of purpose. I, I don't know why somebody would do that. Like, Unless... Uh, like, 
I don't know. Unless well, most of the spending on that end was from was from you know the 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 groups that would benefit from having silver depressed. It's I don't. So it seems like a bad investment. Agreed. There, there's like a prevailing narrative here that um, is going through, and obviously everything's very fluid. But one thing that a lot of people who are in this kind of financial world are is, are saying is that that the Fed has inadvertently or or on purpose created a two tiered banking system. Right. One tier is systemically important banks, too big to fail, like Bank of America, Chase, JP. Um, you know, whatever. If you have money there, it's an actual deposit and you can't lose it because of how protected they are. Number two tier is everyone else. It's an unsecured loan to the bank if you deposit your money there and there's nothing to stop them from basically doing what happened over this short period of time. And and the, the people who run this bank, by the way, had been selling off their stock in the bank since the beginning of February. So... Like, they obviously had some idea that something was going on. Um, anything to add to that, Adam? Uh, uh, I had a thought. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, I, I buy all my silver physical and I get 20% off my socks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, uh, the, I mean... Again, these banks are so interconnected. I, I don't know how much of just the, the general public getting spooked and having a run on the banks will have. I mean, they just have these mat. I mean, if you drive down the street and you see all these buildings being, you know, going up and, you know, pipelines, blah, 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 you know, everything being built. I mean, this takes billions in capital to, and so all these banks, are lending out all the this money for these projects it's all interconnected they have these huge huge payments that are due every single night and if you know and every bank has these liquidity liquidity requirements so if you don't get one of those huge payments when you have three payments that have to go out the same night based on that you know that deposit being made from that other bank you know now those three transactions don't go out and so the three deals down the line that are dependent on that capital coming in for liquidity now they can't pay and that's where the system breaks down and that's why everything gr grinds to a halt all of a sudden and the sheer volume of these trades that are being made is just unreal i remember i would download a you know a spreadsheet just to get the the transactional detail of this of these deals that were going on, you know, if something went wrong, and I didn't have enough lines on my Excel spreadsheet, you know. How does just, how do you work that deal to start? Who's doing that? I, I remember the building I was in. They had literally locked doors that you had to key card in. That you know, my key card wouldn't get into i mean and like the the windows were blacked out you know i mean they literally have those type of uh sections in the building um the people who understand this stuff and can actually you know piece it together you know are in high demand i i remember like i have i have two autistic kids 
right? And one of my kids, you know, is the type that's really obsessed with numbers and letters. Uh, I remember our bank was actually had a test program where they would they actually wanted to get some of those types of kids and see if they could, you know, be taught to become savants that could understand all this stuff because hmm. they can just put, piece it all together and, you know, be so obsessive on it that, that they can actually conceptually understand what was going on. I mean, that's how big and, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll give you another example. I was watching a 60 Minutes piece. This was over a decade ago. But there was this one guy and he was, he figured out that when it comes to the stock market, what would happen is he figured out if you were in, sitting in Chicago and you sent a trade to the New York Stock Exchange, you know, over Ethernet, mm -hmm. they actually, the there were institutions that could actually see, literally see that trade on the way to the New York Stock Exchange and could jump in front of you buy whatever stock you were about to make a purchase for and then sell it to you for you know you know a like price up right i mean but that's how quick everything's happening at the volume it's happening and you know and so now literally this the space around the new york stock exchange is you know super high priced real estate and there's nobody actually there it's all computer servers that literally the closer you can get to the new york stock exchange so you can shave fractions of a nanosecond off how much long it takes your trade to get to the stock market is now you know i mean that's profitable i mean so i mean that's how quickly and how much and a lot of the and a lot of these you know, they figured out a lot of this is algorithmic training. It's not actually somebody sitting there. It, if all of a sudden certain key levels get hit, you know, all these trades just start automatically booking and it, it'll crash the market. So, so apparently right now, Joe Biden is actually speaking. I'm going to check and see if that's true. Um, do you have any other insights you can give us? first ah, no i think i've dispensed all the knowledge that i can upon you i appreciate you very much adam <laughs> i'm gonna kick you out of here so we can listen to biden and okay. <laughs> i love you thanks <laughs> thanks all right good doing you bye all right, take care bye. all right let's listen to biden for a minute want to listen to biden for a minute yeah sure all right All losses, and I'm on, this is an important point, borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Yeah, you can't Instead, hear it. No, never mind. Just hold on. Positive insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Second, the management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Third, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism Important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held.
they're having a really bad issue with the sound. Must reduce the risk of this happening again. I find a different one. Send for 14 straight months. Take-home pay for workers is going up, especially for lower and middle-income workers. And we've seen record numbers of people apply to start new businesses, more than 10 million of them. More than 10 million applications over the last two years starting um, businesses. Okay, you're not telling us anything. He looks like he's barely able to stand up, let alone read from this teleprompter right now. Uh, yeah, it's very, very early. Remember, it's, it's still 8.05 a.m. And he was on vacation. This is, I, and you hear that, so we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to, and you're just, you're taking on another, taking on another bank. You're taking on another, you're bailing out another bank. You're buying it out, essentially. I don't care if you, you, you're, you're just, it's just all bad debt. Um, All of it it's is all, a big nightmare, but there is a Simpsons clip that foretold this very thing, Frank. Oh, really? Yes. Would you Imagine like to, that. Would you like to hear it? Sure. And I have something else after that, too. Bart Simpson starts a bank run. <laughs> what do you mean the bank is out of money? Insolvent? You only have enough cash for the next three customers! Just a second here. No, no, I, I don't have your money here. It's in Bill's house and, and, and Fred's house. Hey, what the hell are you doing with my money in your house, Fred? <laughs> And such is how the banking system can be destroyed in literally less than five seconds. There's also a, um, there's also right now a space going on where they're talking about this on Twitter. I, I, you know, Tom Massey last night scared me a little bit because he was on, he was, he was saying he was on a call and I, I don't, you know, you can say whatever you want about the small banks and stuff like that and, and small, small dollar people in the banks, but we make up a lot of money in those banks. And apparently Tom Massey was on a call, a Zoom meeting with the Fed, the Treasury, the FDIC, the House and the Senate. And he said a Democrat senator asked whether or not there was a program in place to censor information on social media that could lead to a run on the banks. And just just last week. I was telling everybody that in Missouri v. Biden, they were interviewing or they were deposing Flair, uh, what's his name, Scully from CISA. And Scully was saying that, the, that this very thing was something they were calling critical infrastructure to be able to censor people from saying things online about the financial markets and stuff. Because if people were to get freaked about something, they could then cause this very thing to happen. And they're considering that critical infrastructure, therefore being able to censor people from saying those things online. And so yeah, you, can't, you can't talk about how bad things are. Right. Because you can only talk about how good things the facade looks. Exactly. The good, good way, the, the good way that the facade looks. And that's just a uh, hand in hand with what I said before. Um, it's all a lie. And even if you don't understand it, just understand it's very, very precarious position. And uh, this is just, I don't know, it, it feels like the, 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 the buildings that are always collapsing on the shore in that movie Inception. It's oh, just, God. I know. It's yeah. crazy. So somebody commented, um, I'm as anti-censorship as it gets, 
But spreading unfounded rumors to promote a run on a bank is one of the very few instances where the yelling fire in a crowded theater analogy does apply. And Tom Massey said, what about yelling fire in a theater that's actually on fire? Because... <laughs> I mean, that's it. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It, it, it is that bad. It is that bad. Um, so... I. One third of U.S. deposits are in small banks, and fifty percent are uninsured. That means and the whole and the whole I guess the whole crux of this thing is that the Silicon Valley Bank is a venture venture capitalist uh, venture capital um, uh, institution. So it's even more so that they they if they had a couple of bad couple of bad decisions on their end, it's, you can't even really localize. Everything is so interdependent, and because they are giving loans to other other people, uh, it could, because so many people are dependent, other businesses are going to venture capital firms to go and make sure that they can make payroll, that they could, that they're, they're just they're startups. There's so many things, new ventures that I mean, will uh, that are are just dangling now. There was a thread last night from a, a woman that really captured my attention because it was super interesting. I'm going to pull it up real quick and read the story because it's important. Because everybody's, basically a lot of people are like, oh, those are all rich people. We don't give a crap about those people, right? Because they're all like, you know, rich folks who had their money in this bank and now they're crying because they don't have their money. And I don't necessarily jive with that at all because those rich people are kind of funding, uh, hiring, and, and paying the average everyday worker. But she says, hi, I'm Lindsay. A bit about me, Ohio mom, mother of four. I employ a team of 15 as a startup founder and CEO of Smart of StrongSuit. I drive a used Honda Odyssey. My husband works in manufacturing. The financial future of my company team and family are at risk with the collapse of SVB. And she goes on to explain how she didn't take a salary and she busted her. The same story as every entrepreneur. I still don't take a salary from my company. And that's what you do when you start something that you love. You don't go in and tap into what you can use for growth and, and employees and everything else and pay yourself. You just don't. Um, so it goes on to say that like she got wind on Wednesday of what's going on at the bank and ran out and moved all her money around. And I'm like, you're, you were part of the freaking problem. Like, if everybody would have just not done that, this wouldn't have happened. But, like, literally everyone with any amount of money above the FDIC limit of $250,000 went and grabbed all their money out of this bank all at the same time, therefore causing the bank collapse. That's what happened. Uh, when they get us into FedCoin, I would like to know... If that is the end of banks altogether, do you need? Do you even need banks? It, it, do you need banks at all, or are they all just really uh, in, administrative appendages of the central bank that is now controlling everything? Do you do you even need that? I I, I wonder. I really wonder. Do, do, how does the digital dollar make the use for banks either um, redefined or obsolete? I, I would love to know that if somebody has an idea on that. These are the questions I love to ask somebody. 
regulators close crypto focused signature bank in New York, citing systemic risk. Why do I not see anybody, literally anybody talking about the close relationship between the crypto markets and these banks failing at all? No one. No one is even addressing it. I can't find anything anywhere. They just say, oh, yeah, this bank was big into crypto and that's it. Did we not learn anything from Bankman Freed? Like, what's going on with that? And I'm, I wish I was a knowledgeable, like, well, I only was, know the bare was, minimum. Was the, were these bank executives at SVB? They, I, I know that they're in the weeks leading up to this, they act, they knew that something bad was coming because there was, there were certain, you know, there were sell-offs. Yeah. And uh, that definitely, that had to contribute to the, the jitteriness of everybody else. When you see that the, the head honchos are, are trying to cash out a little bit before something else happens, but um, I it was that really just the crux of it? Like, what? How did they get into? I I just still don't know. Silvergate is also doing the same thing. Silvergate is a central lender to the crypto industry, winding down operations and liquidating. Wednesday. This was Wednesday. Silvergate Bank. Then Signature Bank. Then this. There's something else going on here. This is. I, I, I don't understand why nobody's talking about it. The Federal Reserve comes out and says, "Hey, we're going to do. You know, we're going to strengthen confidence in our banking system. We're going to um, make sure that we cover all the money that was in these banks, but we're not bailing out the people that ran the banks and invested in the banks." And. It's rippling throughout the world, and I wish I had more expertise on this to tell you guys, but what is the tie to crypto? Why is this cause? Why? Well, I don't know. I don't know. The crypto is such a such a deep, a deep ocean there in itself. There's no, there's just, there are serious ventures, and then there's jokes, and then uh, there is the fact that there there can only be one in the end. And that's the one that we're all looking at right now. They say, I, I, I've read things that they want to be able to to roll out FedCoin by June. That they've been doing all those market testings all last year after that executive order. So it's just a matter of uh, matter of seeing what what their plan is. And I guess that'll be revealed to us when oh, it's meant to be revealed to us. What I um, what I took note of particularly, um, in particular, was the was of course how all throughout all of this is this ridiculous obsession with race and sex. Oh yeah, they were very they were very um like uh diverse. That was their like big thing, right? They had they had their I don't know their their not their CFO but something like that. Whoever they had invested so much time and energy into gay special interest stuff and <laughs> equity stuff and they're everybody's so politically insane that while they're out there gallivanting around the world trying to you know asking to be patted on the back and patted on the head and uh, and celebrated for their diversity and their and their strength everything is just falling apart and they're not actually doing any work they're not doing anything they're, they're definitely not being honest with people about the nature of of the of the beast i mean the white house I saw CNN last night or the night before. I think it was last night. Rolled out a uh, a segment on how 
how historic it was that they sent three black women to the press to 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 the White House press room with Corinne Jean Pierre, three black women to go and make the announcements and 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 say and they really did themselves a disservice. They sounded like absolute clueless fools. They sent three black women to sound like absolute clueless fools in failing to uh, to uh, to explain what's going on with SVB and and pretty much lying about how everything is, you know, it's everything is going well. And now, so you, that that and that's what they did. They celebrated sending out three black women as the messengers that there is a worsening financial collapse happening all around us. That was the celebration note on CNN. We are being driven into the sea by absolute psychopaths. I wish all, I, all I, they can't they can't stop talking about their genitals as we're burning <laughs> down to the ground. They cannot they can't stop talking about their genitals. Um, I wanted to recommend a movie that I watched back in 2008. I don't know if you you I'm sure you've heard of this movie. If you want to understand fractional reserve banking, you need to watch Zeitgeist Addendum. Um, I loved this movie. It was fantastic. It explained everything so well. There's a segment about how it works. Um, I'm just trying to, I wonder. Here we go. This is it. Here we go. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Okay, here we go. I think this is where it starts. Let's watch this real quick. A translation of which goes something like this. The United States government decides it needs some money, so it calls up the Federal Reserve and requests, say, $10 billion. The Fed replies, saying, sure, we'll buy $10 billion in government bonds from you. So the- That's weird. What? For some reason, the, the, the actual video is not showing. Maybe it's a pirating thing. We can listen to it. The government takes some pieces of paper, paints some official looking designs on them, and calls them treasury bonds. Then it puts a value on these bonds to the sum of $10 billion and sends them over to the Fed. In turn, the people at the Fed draw up a bunch of impressive pieces of paper themselves, only this time calling them Federal Reserve Notes, also designating a value of $10 billion to the set. The Fed then takes these notes and trades them for the bonds. Once this exchange is complete, the government then takes the $10 billion in Federal Reserve notes and deposits it into a bank account. And upon this deposit, the paper notes officially become legal tender money, adding $10 billion to the U.S. money supply. And there it is. $10 billion in new money has been created. Of course, this example is a generalization for, in reality, this transaction would occur electronically, with no paper used at all. In fact, only 3% of the U.S. money supply exists in physical currency. The other 97% essentially exists in computers alone. Now, government bonds are, by design, instruments of debt. And when the Fed purchases these bonds, with money it essentially created out of thin air, the government is actually promising to pay back that money to the Fed. In other words, the money was created out of debt. 
This mind-numbing paradox of how money or value can be created out of debt or a liability will become more clear as we further this exercise. Just another minute of this. So the exchange has been made and now $10 billion sits in a commercial bank account. Here's where it gets really interesting. For as based on the fractional reserve practice, that $10 billion deposit instantly becomes part of the bank's reserves, just as all deposits do. And regarding reserve requirements, as stated in modern money mechanics, a bank must maintain legally required reserves equal to a prescribed percentage of its deposits. It then quantifies this by stating, under current regulations, the reserve requirement against most transaction accounts is 10%. This means that with a $10 billion deposit, 10% or 1 billion is held as the required reserve while the other 9 billion is considered an excessive reserve and can be used as the basis for new loans. So they take the fake money they created, they're supposed to keep a billion dollars of it for reserves, and then they loan out the rest of it that doesn't even exist, that was created out of thin air in digital form only to other people. And then you wonder, there's so much, there's a little bit more of this. It's so interesting. Um, give me a- Well, you think about it. You, you, you get $10. See, if you have $10 deposited, I go and I take a $10 bill to my bank and I deposit the $10. They can then go and loan out $9 to other people. Yep. Uh, other people can go and take that money and put it into uh, a, maybe another banking. Let's say one, let's say a, a, another person comes along and says, okay, I'd like a, a $9 loan. Uh, they take out the loan and they they end up doing a little bit of um, work with any part of that nine dollars ends up into another bank. The same thing happens again. They can loan out money on that fake nine dollars based on the. It, it's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's you know it, to, to say you well, you can't yell fire in a crowded room. That we're we are on fire though. We are on fire. It was only and, a matter of when. It wasn't yeah. if. This, yeah. It's just when this was going to happen. You, As Ron Paul would say, and take back Burks in the chat, thank you so much. She says, just because we need to continue the education on how to manage your own finances and how to help locally keep this topic going. 100% agreed because just two things. On Long Island, we had a thing called Mountain Hours. It was a currency that started in the Midwest and it was basically based on time. It was a bartering system based on time. The currency was tied to the value of your time. So you would pay people in your time. It was masterful. And we had a bunch of local merchants taking it. Bread, you know, little shops um, locally in, in the village where we lived. Because that's going to end up being, if this all, if they let this all hit the fan, if they can't stop it, we're going to have to be bartering. We're going to have to be using physical gold and silver. We're going to have to figure it out. Ron Paul has said this for decades and everyone's always like, oh, there have been bubbles that have burst. But this one, this one is, you can't keep effing around with the financial system with fake money and expect for it to sustain itself. Well, I don't mind, uh, I don't mind the bad idea blowing up in people's faces. I just hope that those people go, spend the rest of their miserable lives in jail i mean i a, a one thread i did see getting popped around a lot more i don't know if this is true i was going to dig into it a lot a little bit but it would not surprise me at all 
is that one of the head honchos at this SVB was uh, was one of the head honchos at Lehman Brothers and, and bailed a couple of weeks before that went down in 2007. And prior to that, Enron. I don't oh. know if this guy was really that much of a, an all-star journeyman, but that, it would not surprise me. That would be insane. Um, listen, I, I I don't normally do this in the middle of a show, but seriously, if you haven't gone over to Blue Monster Prep, it wouldn't be a bad time to get over there. <laughs> right, Frank? I say I always say it. People I mean, mock us. It's insurance you can eat. <laughs> People mock us for wanting to be prepared. Like, oh, great, it's another prepping thing. Hey, yeah, those people are secretly prepping these days. I I know. I know. Um, we'll end the show today with some Fauci, who's apparently very scared about going to jail and freaked the hell out over the weekend. I haven't listened to this clip yet because I was too busy trying to learn everything I could about this issue to tell everybody else out there. Let's hear Fauci on CNN about the COVID lab leak theory. Three years ago today, the World Health Organization no, declared COVID-19 a pandemic. No, I don't want nine minutes of you, Fauci. There's Hold still on. no consensus on the origins of is Dr. Anthony Fauci. He served as President Biden's chief medical advisor and headed the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases for decades, uh, including under no. former President Trump. Uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, good to see you as always. Thanks so much for being with he us. He looks very um, tired. President Biden, I guess you probably heard, said he hasn't decided whether he will sign this legislation. Uh, you were once his chief medical advisor. Would you advise him to do it? Well, Jim, I don't want to be advising him when I'm not in that position right now. I'm sure he's going to make the right decision. One thing we can say, we'd like to learn as much as we possibly can uh, about information that hopefully will be rocks available. Hell. Hope you know, rocks in hell. Um, two sides, you know, one, pe one group says it more likely as well. Here. We've been vilified on the far right. I know you know that. On the far right. Um, and we've seen Elon Musk tweet that his pronouns are prosecute uh, Fauci. Others in the GOP have talked about arresting you and prosecuting you. What's your response to that? And, and what has that been like for your family? Well, I mean, oh. there's no response to that craziness, Jim. I mean, prosecute me for what? What, what are they talking about? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could figure out what the heck they were talking about. I think they're just going off the deep end. That's the answer to your first question. It doesn't make any sense to say something like that, and it actually you is are, irresponsible. You are science, Of course right, it's going to have a difficult effect and a deleterious effect on my family. I mean, Who cares? Talk about your family life a little bit. Is everybody very scared about how mean people are to you? That's, that's, that's really what it's all about there. And I love how he even says, you know, there's, not, there's no consensus. There's still no consensus about where this all started well there's never going to be consensus you're psychopaths so yeah that that is a way of saying the world the, the world that we told you the way the world was a couple of years ago it's not true we told you there was a consensus on this stuff there is none and now so saying that there's no longer a consensus is a way of saying we were wrong we were wrong but we're never going to fully admit admit at how wrong we were because of course it was a choice that was made it wasn't a mistake and um so this is all this means nothing he's not going to jail if you uh are in the crypto markets by any chance bitcoin is up seven percent this morning <laughs> ethereum is up seven percent as well and so is ethereum too and i don't know i don't understand how how that how 
That would be the response. All the when crypto you, markets are up. All of them. Basically all of them. How can that be the response? You see all of this stuff, this instability, and it, and how do you rush into the first place you go, you rush into crypto. I, I don't I wish I understood the mentality behind it. Uh maybe they're just playing the casino. They 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 know that this is going to this is going to uh spike and then they can sell and it's all just about that's that you can't rely on crypto for some stable long-term investment. So yeah, right. that's what it so, is. It's just a it's a it's a wild wild west investment boon where you can go in and pray for the best. And if uh... All right. I I'm, I'm just I'm just in the bleachers looking at it all. Well, holding holding on to my uh my little sack of coins. Somebody said to me, like, if you have under $250,000 in the bank, you don't have to worry. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, because I don't have anywhere near 250000 That amount of money to me is just insane. I don't, that's a lot of you money. You don't have to worry. No, you have a whole other, you have a whole other set of worries if you're under $250,000. Yeah. Things are getting out of control. Expensive. It doesn't mean that that just means that uh, that just means that if things continue on this path right now, you're going to there's less and less you can buy. I, I don't know. It's, it, it's we're just basically going to have to sit here, Frank. That's what we have to do. Don't freak out. Don't don't freak out. Just stay like on top of the news. Try and find someone you trust that's going to tell you this stuff. Again, there's a space going on on Twitter. If you want to hop over there, I wouldn't even begin to talk because I have no, I have, I have basically like, here's the basic American. I'm probably like right here with knowledge and I'm just trying to learn what's going on and look at the broader implications behind all of it using my political acumen and my, you know, that sort of thing. Cause that definitely plays a part into this, but I hope this was somewhat helpful for you guys today. Thanks to Adam for joining us. Um, you have been listening to the dark to light podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and beans. You can find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and um, Spotify and RadioInfluence.com every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, streaming live on Rumble, Getter, and Twitter. And Frank's show Monday through Friday at QuiteFrankly.tv or Rumble at 7 p.m. Oh. Eastern time. Thank you. We will be back on Wednesday. Peace. Later.